From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. Sports bars and chain restaurants are a dime a dozen, even in Atlanta. But today, we're sitting down with a couple of small business owners who are trying to take the corporate cookie cutter model and turn it on its head. Todd DiMatteo and Ryan Skinner are the owners at Good Word Brewing and Public House in Duluth. They want to replace the monotony of the chain with a unique look and feel, and some good old fashioned friendly conversation. I was born in LaGrange, Georgia. Okay. It's uh, about an hour and 10 minutes from here. A little, uh, clo- you know, small, small town. I definitely yeah. try to escape there my whole life. Uh, I'm, I'm told it's a lot better now, but I haven't <laughs> been back in a while. But uh, I worked in restaurants since I was uh, 17, 18, and definitely try to get out of this industry for a very long time until I realized that, hey, I'm actually pretty good at it, <laughs> and you can turn it into a career. Um, so yeah, I think I was probably 25 when I first started working at Brickstore. Um, and yeah, my wife actually got me introduced to the pub indicator. And so she's been making me thank her ever since. <laughs> but uh, I think we were, I was 27 and she was 25 when we first had our, our uh, first child. Okay. And so I think that kind of made me, you know, buckle down and start being like, all right, instead of just being a bartender, I need to have yeah. some kind of salary. And that's when I started managing at the Brickstore Pub. Okay. Gotcha. What mm-hmm. year was that? That was uh, 2008. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I started there in 2005, but it took me two years to, you know, start managing full time or whatever. Okay kind of resisted it. I think growing up, you know, in this industry, especially when you're young, you, I don't know, you don't want to be a restaurant manager. That's like not a goal. If you're just waiting tables or bartending, it's like, that's the guy who wears the tie, you know? So I never wanted to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Similar story, Ryan. So, uh, yeah, I was born in Missouri. I was a military brat. We moved around everywhere. Okay. Um, lived in Missouri for a long time, but then we moved to Arizona. Um, I got a job at an Outback when I was in college, which was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. <laughs> um, quit that after three months, and my buddy got me a job at a Marriott on campus there. So I was a, a cook. I was a prep cook and a pantry cook and a line cook. And I did that for like a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Then I tried to use my degree, which is in social science. Don't ever get a social science degree. And I uh, moved to New York, and I uh, did that for about four months. They wanted me to move to New Jersey, so I quit, went back to Phoenix, um, and used my reference at that Marriott um, to get a job at another Marriott. Um, okay. And I applied in the back of the house. They hired me in the front of the house. They said, no, nah, we want you in the front of the house. I needed a job, so I took it. And uh, so I worked for Marriott for 12 years, like every job that you can hold in the front of the house. I did it. And uh, transferred back to St. Louis just out of luck. And then I was in St. Louis for another four years, five years, something like that. They transferred me here. And then uh, 10 months after that, I quit and started working at the brick store, which is pretty drastic change in life uh, and I was at the pub for maybe four years or something yeah, and then we left to come come here so that's it man so you guys met at the brick store yeah 
Brick Store Pub is legendary in the city of Decatur, famous for its raw brick interior and robust beer selection. It opened in 1997, and ever since then, it's been home to regulars and employees looking for a different, you could almost call it throwback experience. If you guys had to sum up the brick store in a, in a couple sentences, what would, uh, how would you do that? <laughs> Oof. Uh, really unique, amazing, cool place to experience as a guest and uh, a really cool place um, to work. Endless opportunities. So that's what I would say. That, I, for me, the beer is a side point to it. Right. You know, there was just a lot of other opportunities there to learn. What about you, Todd? What, were, what, was, what was it about the brick store that you thought was uh, unique? Um, you know, I still think brick store is really unique, but, you know, 14 years ago now, I guess, was like crazy unique. I remember yeah. looking at that beer menu and I thought I knew a, a little bit about beer and seeing that thing for the first time, I was like, this is crazy overwhelming. And uh, I remember like ordering the same beer several times just because I don't want to look at it and be, you know, I uh, feel dumb, honestly, because I definitely felt like a fish out of water. But um, yeah, brick store, it, I mean, first off, the space is like incredible right you come in and it's you know if it's nighttime it's very dark and uh it's kind of a moody place you know what i mean like the it has this lived-in character the buildings you know over 100 years old at this point yeah. are very near it i should say um and i don't know it's got its own like vibe and, and atmosphere and i think that's what i first fell in love with not not as much the beer um but yeah the uh the brick store owners mike tom and dave were definitely you know very pivotal in me kind of staying and growing as i was there yeah but, um, yeah, the beer is, like, unparalleled for sure. I think it's definitely one of the best beer bars I've ever been to, uh, and especially the best one I've ever worked at, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's the only beer bar I've ever actually worked at. But, yeah, I was there for uh, 12 years. So <laughs> So how does the conversation start between the two of you guys at, to, uh, to say, all right, we're going to hightail it out to the suburbs and open our own shop? Yeah, well, Ryan was already out here. Yeah. Yeah, I already lived out here. Yeah, he was in Swanee already. The 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 details uh, the like, details of it are yeah. I don't know like like uh, cloudy. Yeah. I know we were sitting in the office talking about it. I think probably though the the one common thing for Todd and I in that regard is it's like an itch you can't scratch. Yeah. <laughs> you know that you need more. You know you're capable of more. You know you want more. Um, and at some point you, you've got to do it for yourself. You've got to just cut the cord and go for it. Um, so I don't remember the details of the conversation, but I know that that was kind of the feeling. Like it was like a mutual feeling for, for both sure. of us, yeah. just wanting, wanting something of our own, and to like finally go and take what you think you can take. You know what I mean? And you guys both had like had families, had kids at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so this is not a necessarily a low risk. Uh, Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. Yeah. I mean, for me too. Leaving the Marriott was a big one. That was yeah. that was super hard. Um, I think that for me was probably a bigger risk than this was, <laughs> because of the unknown with it. This I know, Todd. And yeah. I know the brick store boys. I know we all know what we're doing, yeah. or we all think we know what we're doing. <laughs> Doesn't always translate. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I left the Marriott to go to brick store, that was a huge freaking risk because I didn't know him. I didn't know any of the boys. Yeah, right. It was just like, hey, this is a cool, uh, this is a cool bar, and it could give me the opportunity to to learn some more different things you know for yeah. sure so i felt like that was a bigger risk for me than doing this huh. yeah when ryan uh reached out to us at the brick store his email was like 
his resume was really put together, and I thought it was kind of a joke. Like, you know, every now and then you'll have somebody who is, you know, has this white-collar career or whatever, and they're like, I want to come in, you know, slum it or whatever it may, may be. But usually you sit down and interview, and um, they quickly are either not cut out for the work or whatever it may be. But me and Ryan had more of a, a long conversation. Uh, I came in on a Sunday. He's wearing, like, a three-piece suit, and he had his foot in a caster, I think, um, we talked for probably three hours and I don't think I tried to convince him not to work there, but I was trying to convince myself that he wanted to work there. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, ah, oh, Scott's kind of, you know, crazy overqualified and how long will he stay here? That kind of thing. Cause back to what Ryan was saying earlier, you know, I think that that itch was like boredom. We were, we were kind of bored at Brickstore, you know, mm-hmm. like Ryan's got a big capacity and he was managing the beer list and the seller and all that kind of stuff. And it's a huge job and it's huge undertaking anytime you have to work with personality it's gonna be a little tough and you know I was a general manager there and same kind of thing I'd been doing it for you know seven eight years at that point and you know just kind of not tired of it but like it didn't feel like it was presenting any kind of new challenge what was next yeah Yeah. and so like you said the conversation just started like hey what else do you want to do we kept asking ourselves that and thought we're going to do a a beer bar and then we turned into a brew pub after we made a couple batches of uh, homebrew on my back porch <laughs> i remember one of the times carrying the 10 gallon <laughs> 10 gallon uh i don't know if we were using the kettles at first we had these um half barrel uh kegs or whatever and we cut the tops of them but anyway we were carrying this thing around the back because i didn't have water and we bumped into a branch on the way back after we'd taken this boiling work to cool it and it fell right in we were like all right first wild beer right there <laughs> But we definitely bumbled around before we learned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you drink it? No, I don't think I don't so. We yeah. threw away a lot of beer, I'll be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. We did. We, you know, when we first started doing it, it was like, I think I'd homebrewed once with um, these guys that were uh, brick store uh, staff or whatever. And they yeah. knew what they were doing a little bit, but we ended up drinking a bunch, and I feel like I didn't learn anything. And Ryan homebrewed it when he was in Arizona, I think. But, uh yeah, we threw away a bunch of beer. I think we were like, yeah, let's just drink it no matter what and kind of make ourselves suffer through it. And then we're like, you know what? We're only going to have so many beers in our life. If this sucks, just get rid of it. And we did that for a long time, actually. It did, and you did. Yeah, yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah. After the homebrew experiments began to find a more pleasant ending, the two brick store veterans were ready to venture off on their own. Now it was just a question of where and when. It was tough, I mean, for sure, because... First conversation was the brick store owners, you know, like we knew we were going to do this thing, yeah. but they didn't quite know just then and we didn't know the dynamic and how everything would kind of fall out. So I think we're, you know, you're a little nervous to tell your sure. employers, hey, we want to go do something else and we want you to be a part of it if you want to. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, maybe a, for a month or two, I was worried that they were going to be super pissed at me for trying to take Ryan who, you know, I think he'd started the job, maybe the beer manager job, maybe six, eight months before that. It I think he was fun. there for like, two years total before that so I was like yeah I wonder if they're gonna freak out because I'm taking one of their you know top people sure. <laughs> to go do this if they don't come along sure but uh from start to finish I don't know we look for a property forever at least a year yeah we saw <laughs> driving around on the weekend oh my like god idiots <laughs> we saw some really crappy places and some places we yeah. could never afford it's pretty awesome but yeah the whole time Ryan was like buying for this area I was like what because I you know I think if you live inside the perimeter you have this stigma and I think we still face Notion, it now yeah. it's like OTP versus ITP like constantly a conversation yeah. which is like super silly it's like it's just a drive that's all it is sure 
but uh, he uh, he kept saying we should check this area out. And we came and we looked, and this was like clay, like red clay, yeah. literally, yeah. and uh, not the theater, but like actual mud. And we saw a space on the other side. We've talked about doing like a you know brick store kind of concept with the brick store guys, and then. Um, we kept looking inside the perimeter. I was, like I said, being a kind of a jerk about it. He's like, hey, come to this concert. This is maybe two years ago now. I was driving a crying concert, and there was a kajillion people out here. And I was, like, sold on it. I was like, all right, you're right. So started coming out here maybe six or seven Sundays in a row with my wife to find a house. Yeah. And she was doing just like I was because I was already bought in now. She was like, I don't want to be out here, blah, blah. <laughs> Finally, the seventh, sixth or seventh uh, Sunday, we found uh, the house that we have been in for the last two and a half or two plus years so we love it out here honestly and it's definitely no different except for the houses are a whole lot cheaper right (laughs) ryan what was it about downtown duluth in particular that that you just kept coming back to todd and saying hey just come check it out see what you think i mean out here so living out here for so long i know that there's there there's nothing you know what i mean there's there's gonna be a million people in gwinnett and there's one freeway that feeds it so people don't necessarily have anywhere to go and it's not like everyone out here is a toothless farmer with a freaking blade of grass in their mouth you know there's people out here with money that want somewhere to go and they're used to going to chain restaurants because that's all that there is either that or they have to make it you know an event and go inside the perimeter to decatur yeah once a month wherever, or whatever yeah right so i knew that there was possibility for it i also knew that it would be a risk who we are what we wanted to do i knew it would be a risk out here um but if you believe in just doing like good honest work i think people over time will gravitate to it so that was kind of it for me I knew it was a big risk I also knew that my business partners um, it would be hard you know to not convince but to get them maybe to see the opportunity as well Um, and we actually went and ate in Lawrenceville one night just I was like just come and see what this looks like yeah you know what what does a suburb look like that has potential unrealized potential Mm -hmm. and Lawrenceville still to this day like I think Lawrenceville has endless potential. I agree, too. Um, yeah. That whole downtown area just could not be any cooler. Um, but Duluth, I guess so, to answer your question, um, meeting the people from the city, I think, was a big thing for us. Sitting down, having coffee, talking yeah. to them, they were in it to win it, and they were serious about it. And I think yeah. that that was a big deal for us, is to, to know that we have a partner in government that's as serious about sure. uh, the success of this area as we were with the area and ourselves people even out in the suburbs um they're tired of the chain restaurant and shopping center type of life so i'm curious you know to to know what you guys perception you know having been in town for so many years now to see are people embracing uh this type of a uh a model in duluth is, do you think it's something that is is going to continue and spread uh, to, I, to those other places totally. i do yeah. personally i think it's gonna be great our guests have been amazing we've yeah. got you know I don't know if we talked much about regulars early on. We, we definitely wanted to have regulars, but we have so many regulars. Um, yeah. That's I mean, the backbone, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, they support you on the you know Tuesday, Wednesdays, and sure. then you know, hopefully show up on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday too, but yeah, that's when you're the busiest. They're the ones that do the marketing for us a lot too. Yeah. Right. The like word of mouth. Yeah, they go yeah. out and talk to people about it. Um, I think generally – people want it but a lot of times people don't know what it is Um, so we get beat up sometimes from people that want televisions and cheese dip and you know frozen mugs and that's going to happen for a while it is like that's that's it's change you know change is hard Um, change is hard 
and I think generally the people that get it love it some people have been like ah the first time I came in I didn't like the food or I didn't like the beer glass or the service was overbearing or what, whatever um, and I think they're probably used to like chain restaurants you know what I mean? mm. where everything is the same no matter where you go so when something's different it's hard change is hard uh, I think over time I mean it's, so far we're doing alright you know yeah. I, I think we'll be okay I think over time though um, well, well we can leave a lasting impression with people when we are different you know, yeah. and I think that that's something that people will enjoy as opposed to any kind of corporate chain restaurant. What are some of those things that, that coming in here that were kind of the non-negotiables for you guys of, okay, this is the this is the feel, this is the vibe, this is the type of service we want to provide, this is, you know, menu items. What were those things that you were kind of going to kind of base your business on? Menu is a tough one. <laughs> we went all over the place with that. I think service, service-wise, I'll talk about, I guess, about those. Two. So menu, yeah, we, we've... we've We've changed it over time. Service-wise, I think the way that we can differentiate ourselves now and forever will be sincerity in service. Honestly, a lot of times you go out to eat at chain restaurants, it's just a transaction. You sit down, they give you a menu, you order, they give you the food, they ask you if you want anything else, you pay the check, that's it, right? So for us, trying to build regulars or talk to people or interact with them or ask them how their daily lives are or even facilitate conversations amongst each other at the bar, that's different. Um, and I think people gravitate to that. They see that there's actually, we're providing a service as opposed to just a transaction. And I think that that separates us. Again, some people get it, some people don't. So I think that that's, yeah, the service and the menu, those are, those are two things. Um, as far as the aesthetics, Todd's much better with that kind of stuff than I am. He has more of an, of an eye of detail. Dave, one of our other business partners, is good with that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say the same thing about the service, to be honest with you. We learned um, a lot from from brick store you know <clears throat> being there and we've got basically the same kind of the same style in play and that is you know you have someone who takes care of you whether they be at the bar or a table but anyone who stops by including managers owners whoever will get you whatever you need and sometimes you know when you go to a restaurant you think that this one person is going to start and lead you through everything and that's the only person you trust and all that kind of stuff so Sometimes we have to break those barriers and go, you know, if you need something, you could just ask me instead of, you know, prolonging, uh, you know, whatever it may be you're waiting on, uh, whether it be uh, silverware or a drink, you know, you're missing some food or any kind of stuff. It's just a, a way for us to be able to service more people and do it more efficiently and effectively. And I think that's kind of where we hang our hat as far as the service end goes. But, yeah, we wanted we wanted uh, Goodware to be cool and, you know, feel cozy at the same time. And classy i definitely think it's classy but we also were i know i was a little worried about it you know being too nice because i don't want to be we don't want to be the place where it's like well you're going to come once a month our special occasions um so we had to be that kind of pub thing and you know we made some i think we'd agree some good decisions as far as you know these uh stools are made from barrels yeah these uh wooden floors are actually old they're a hundred and four or five years old it came out of an old train car yeah um so those elements kind of tie it and bring it back down to earth if that makes sense i mean because you know the windows we started with this building and it was a shell there was no concrete poured nothing so we started from ground up basically and uh the windows give it this very like you know open and airy like beautiful precious kind of uh feeling and uh you know, we want it to be lived in. And so Ryan has got freaking record labels or <laughs> records. And, you know, we all brought some books from the house. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Thanks, man. Um, from the house. And we just, you know, we want it to be our home. We spend, 
I know Ryan and I and our general manager, Kevin Pearson, and our chefs, for that matter, spend more time here <laughs> on a weekly basis than we do at the yeah. house. And that's not a woe. It's me. We're, we're happy to do it. Um, but we want it to feel comfortable. Sure. And, you know, it, that comes with, like, a price that's kind of like a peace of mind, you know. And we want the staff to kind of fill that uh, and, and let it trickle down to the guests. What about the, uh, the brand? How did you come up with Good Word Brewing? Well, we t- <laughs> we're old. Okay, Ryan's 38, I'm 39. Okay. And we say word a lot. We're kids of the 80s, and we say word a lot, all right? Now, there's two different ways we came up with this name. One, the truth is we were texting back and forth, right? Wow. And uh, I think Ryan said, let's call it Word Brewing. And then it's like, oh, let's call it Good Word Brewing. And that was basically how that yeah. was born. But that wasn't the whole truth, right? That's where the actual name came from. But the aesthetic came from us and from Brickstore and what we learned from uh, our business partners over a length of time. And we want to be that place that, you know, you you can come. This kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying earlier. Like, we're, we're not everything for everybody, but we want to be enough for enough people, right? Yeah. So we might not be able to be the frozen mug or frozen margarita place, but we can be the place you can come and grab uh, great food and, yeah. and, and good beer and have awesome service consistently. And we want to do that without anybody being encumbered by, to use another one of the things he said, like a transaction, like it's an authentic experience in here. Sure. I don't mean we're like, you know, juggling or singing happy, happy birthday from, you you know, filling the chain restaurant name. But we are, when it is your birthday, we're going to make you feel special. If you're just coming out here to have dinner, we're going to do our best to make you feel special. Like, you know, we're, we're trying to create an environment where we're kind of hosting a party, right? Yeah. You know, not a yeehaw kind of party, but like, you know, a dinner party where these people are uh, not just you know, customers with our guests and our friends and, uh, you know, to some regard, our family, you know, some of these regulars come to our homes (laughs) and to, uh, you know, outside the pub events that we do. Um, so I don't know, man, I don't want to toot our horns too much, but I feel like we're trying to create something really special and we do it, uh, together and as a group and a community. And that's kind of what the good word's all about community. Over time I talk in explaining it to everybody because we get asked about it a lot because it's different right the, the word mm-hmm. good word I'll t- I try to tell people too when you would go into like a bar a saloon a long time ago that's how you were greeted mm-hmm. by your bartender it's like a positive greeting right but also like it's friendly and, and somebody would know you sure. so you'd come in and say well what's a good word what's tell me about your word? life yeah. about yeah. your your kids your neighbors your wife your house your job yeah um so it, it's it's like an instant positive greeting where we want to know about you again like interacting with you how do you guys divide roles at this point um, is it is it super like all right you've got this strength Ryan and you've got this strength Todd or do you guys overlap a lot? I don't think we overlap, man. He no. does all the beer, I do the restaurant, and the, some of the money part I share with a few of our other partners. Yeah, but Todd does all beer, and then I with Kevin. Kevin and I tag team from the house. Nice. And then I tag team money partners. But yeah, we have pretty yeah. defined roles right now. We didn't before in the beginning. Oh, we no, definitely no. we were like not, I wouldn't say fighting is not a good word for it, but we were like and I'll take that and you take that and you, all right, I'm taking that. We, like, wanted all the responsibility because I think it may have been naivety, honestly. But uh, after a while, we were like, uh, maybe we should shed some of this stuff. <laughs> and then our brewery left, and that's when, uh, you know, I shifted back into the brewery, and Ryan ended up taking on a ton of more responsibility, mainly in form of, like, just sheer shifts uh, yeah. for the restaurant because we opened with dinner only for a while. <laughs> and then we moved into um, – and 
to lunch, and it was just a lot of work. We, of course, both love beer, and uh, we still talk beer, I'd say, for sure weekly, um, yeah. if not daily um, when he's here. Whether it be just having him, you know, help me um, do a taste analysis on something to get some feedback or, or um, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like you said, he and Kevin do uh, front of the house shifts, and I do a handful. But uh, mainly I beer and social media and event planning um, for the most part. When you walk into Goodward, you can definitely tell the brick store influence, but it has a feel all to its own. It's a two-year-old building, but it feels like it could be 50. And the details all around leave no doubt that this place was set up and designed for a very specific purpose. Going in other places, like in the Burbs again, yeah. you sit in a, in a bar stool. It looks like a bar stool that you would find in a catalog. Yeah. Or the table looks like a table that you would buy in a catalog. It's a representation of who we are, but also like just individual people doing a job. Yeah. You know, all the stools were made by one dude. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that for me is pretty cool. He kind of talks just like this a little bit. <laughs> and he's a drink or a smoke or anything. He won't even curse. Yeah. He's here somewhere. Derek Spivey, he's pretty awesome. He built the, he built the bar stools. Yeah. He nice. did, yeah. B10 Union did these tabletops for us, and they're pretty amazing, too. Those guys are Yeah, just a couple incredible. of dudes in the shop. You yeah. Know? So that, that for me does Handsome dudes that are our great friends, and please, if we ever buy anything from you, give us a discount if you're listening. <laughs> just kidding. They're, they're priced, of course. Yeah. Economically. So I want to talk about the, the opening, and I know, like, sometimes starting your own business before you kind of get into the nitty-gritty can, can feel like this, you know, romanticized, like, you know, great thing. Oh, taking off on a new adventure but then you actually have to do the thing and it, it gets real. Did you guys have a moment where, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, some, anything that happened during your opening or after a, a week of being open where you're just like, okay, like reality check a little bit about how tough this was going to be. Uh, I don't think we ever, I can't say personally, uh, how we thought it was tough. We just were doing the work, honestly. Sure. Um, but yeah, we just threw hours at everything. We're like, all right, well, we won't see our family for a while, but we're just going to show up every day and work all the time. Yeah. And we'd get here in the morning and leave later at night. <laughs> and we Never. didn't really think about it. I don't think we ever thought about it, honestly. I remember at one point, uh, me and Ryan talking, I was like, hey, you could probably work some days, and then I would work other some days, and that way we could have some days. And it was like a novel thought that we were like, didn't have to both be here at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I remember the conversations where it's like, man, I'm going to work a half day on Wednesday. And a half day was not a double. So meaning like it was only eight to ten hours. Right? Yeah. And like yeah. half day is so amazing. Yeah. Uh, and you get to like go home and eat dinner with your family. And that was a success. Yeah. yeah. You know? But I mean, we have good, we have really good people around us now that, that do just as much work as we do that allow us to do 100%. half time with family now. So that is a blessing because without them, we would still be buried, buried, you know? Sure. Yeah, we strategically hired uh, Kevin Pearson, who was a general manager at U-Joint, knowing that we could at some point utilize him and give him some money. (laughs) Uh, He's still waiting. He's still waiting, yeah. (laughs) Actually, he's waiting behind us. He's he's over there giggling. He's like, break out the checkbook. Uh, But, yeah, we uh, there were some pratfalls. You know, I don't want to throw mud at anyone who had worked at this place before, but we had to find uh, a chef uh, after the, our first week. So that was the biggest, like, in-your-face challenge that we had. And yeah. for a long time, me and Ryan just apologized for the food quality because um, we didn't have anyone leading that <laughs> ship for five and a half, six months. 
I don't even know. We had we had some. I'd say this. We had some help, but it wasn't like someone who could be our actual chef. It was more of a friend coming in to like sure. throw a couple of days or a couple of hours here and there at it to help you on a pinch. Help, you know, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. It's you like know? a friend helping you do yard work, but that friend and you still ain't a professional. Like yeah. yard work gets done, right? But it doesn't look amazing. It's uh, not cohesive. You don't yeah. have like professionally manicured bushes or anything like yeah. that. No, yeah, no, no. We hired uh, Kyle Campus, who is our uh, sous chef, probably about six weeks before we hired uh, Brian Crane, who's our chef now. Okay. And those guys are amazing, and our kitchen is speaking their language, right. and we are. Uh, we don't go to the tables and apologize for food anymore. We usually go and hear how great it is now, uh, for the most part. You know, so we always have things to work on. But yeah, I yeah. think we're both super thankful for, like Brian said earlier, all the very talented and dedicated people who we surrounded ourselves with. What's the thing that, that keeps you up at night? What's your biggest challenge? Ah, uh, the beer. The beer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yelp reviews. Yeah, we Yelp. had one yesterday <laughs> that I email. I, I never like openly emailed to those uh, negative ones, but I will send private messages to them. But uh, we look at Yelp and Google uh, reviews all the time. Google is a little more, you know, I think people are using that more uh, than Yelp, but we Here's don't manage Scott. reality. We manage the guest perception. That's sure. something that, you know, we've learned the hard way because, you know, you may walk up to a table after hearing kind of what happened and set yourself up for how easy or how challenging it could be and then it just goes the other way so you just have to go with an open mind and at the end of the day I think we're just trying to fix issues when they arise luckily they arise a little bit less than they used to yeah I think I say Yelp reviews half heartedly it definitely is a big deal and it definitely pisses me off a lot (laughs) I have learned to be more open to it from Todd he's much better at it than I am Uh, I think the, I guess the biggest thing for me, we've had ups and downs doing this too, but there are 39 other people that work here. And so for me, that's a big deal. And that is a lot of weight. <laughs> that's a lot of weight. Um, so when it has been difficult, or you get a bad score, or you don't crush it financially, I of course think about myself and my family. Um, but you have to think about them as well. And that's only 39 people. So like sometimes too, I think about dudes that have, or, or ladies or individuals that have 100, 200, 300, some people working for them that's a lot of weight you know yeah. you're responsible for them and everything that they need in their life too uh, so sometimes that I, I think that's maybe the biggest weight I don't know if it keeps me up at night but it's a it's a it's a it's not a burden um, but it's it's a weight that you have to bear when you run a business um, is that the biggest difference between being you know guy number three or four in line and kind of thinking oh yeah I could do this I could you know run a ship like this and you know I've learned a lot and then all of a sudden you're in it and you that weight becomes real is that yeah it's like the difference so for instance at Marriott when I worked there I had you know, seven or eight restaurants and there's hundreds of people that work for eight millions of dollars but it's not really yours sure I mean sure. If, if they work for the company right. yes they technically work for you as their boss but they work for the Marriott so if they have an issue the Marriott is there they have HR they have insurance <laughs> they have all these different yeah. things they can transfer whatever but here, that's it. It's like it stops and starts with you. Yeah. If, if something isn't right, you have to fix it. And if you don't fix it, then you have to go and apologize for not fixing yeah. it. I'll give you a good example. Is the bar, Kevin's still sitting over there. The bar, bar struggled with glassware forever. It was like three weeks we didn't have the proper amount of glassware. And it was my fault. Like I just was back and forth with these companies. We had to get bills paid. The checks were lost. And I can make all these excuses. But at the end of the day, the bar staff is struggling to pour beers because I didn't get the glasses ordered on time, you know. 
and that sucks, but the only thing you do is go and apologize to him. I can't blame, you know, the, the accounting department for not paying the bill because I am an accounting department. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You, yeah, you just say sorry and, and, and move on with it. But that's, again, that's part of, like, the burden, you know right. what I mean? And that burden is the wrong way. That's part of the responsibility. What's, what's your next big hurdle for good, good, word, good word that you feel like you, yeah. you, uh, you got to get a handle on or, or that you want to kind of stabilize or whatever that might be? I feel That's a like, question. Yeah, I feel like things are, as far as, uh, sub, you know, being stability, um, yeah. I think they're pretty stable as far as that goes. But, yeah, sure. like what inside of these walls we want to accomplish, I mean, you know, I think throwing some money uh, at the patio and making that more, <laughs> you know, lovely and comfortable and service-oriented would be great. Um, and that's definitely a goal, whether we can get it done this year or not. Left to be said. Sure. Personally, I definitely want to um, start filling some barrels up so we can have some beer that's aging uh, for later release in yeah. bottles or can format. And then we plan on doing some uh, some mobile canning. They'll come in and they'll um, package some beer for us. Uh, you know, that's definitely the next foray um, right. beer side. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, just continue to make people happy and drive business into these four walls. You know, for sure. Two years in, Good Word is enjoying a bit of a local revival in Duluth. Make sure and stop in soon for a meal, a beer, or even just to answer that age-old question. What's a good word? You can find Todd, Ryan, and the whole team at Good Word Brewing on social media or at goodwordbrewing.com. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. Hopefully you noticed that this week our credits music is from local artists right here in Atlanta. We are happy to present Rashawn's single, Pray For This, off his debut mixtape, No Previews. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon. I remember I would pray for this. My whole lifetime I couldn't wait for this. Now I know what patience is. No, from the start I was paid for this, right? I remember I would pray for this. Spent my whole lifetime trying to